0: This is October 5th and this is the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. We're so close to the start of regular season hockey. Can feel it. Can feel it in the air. Uh, and on today's episode, Connor Ryan joined. Connor's back for Bruins Beat. Thank God. Uh, he is back. Uh, and he was not in his normal space for those who watch this on YouTube. If you're listening to this though, this is never on YouTube. This is just the intro to the audio. So if you're listening to this, you're not watching on YouTube probably. Uh, so you won't know, uh, that Connor was broadcasting from a, uh, dunks parking lot because his, his power went out in his apartment and the whole complex. And they told him it wasn't going to be on till like 8 PM. And we were recording at about six or we're supposed to record around like 4:30, but, uh, we were recording this also before the Bruins Flyers game Monday night, so please take that into consideration while listening. But yes, Connor uh, adapted, improvise improvised, and overcame. So courageous of Connor! Uh, to by the way, shout out to him for being in the Dunk's parking lot and not having you know the urge to just get up in the middle of the podcast and go get a Dunk's coffee or a donut. So congrats to him! Uh, kudos to him for doing that as well. Uh, also, this podcast is brought to you by Bet. Online. uh as always, our good friends over at BetOnline, use promo code CLMS50 to get that 50% welcome bonus. Uh, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Conor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Conor, what is up?
1: Evan, I'm in a place that usually brings me much joy, which is the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. But under these circumstances, it's less than ideal. So I have no power in my apartment. So I've been scrambling through all of Metro West to find a place with reception and or Wi-Fi, which leads me to Marlboro, Massachusetts, in which I am now recording from my car. So I've been better. How are you? You've been
0: better. I Well, I I can't complain, I guess, you know, compared to you, unfortunately, at this moment. It's funny. Last week, Andrew Raycroft recorded in his car by choice, by choice. But today you're in your car, for, so this is why you should have people should watch on the YouTube channel as well. Because as you can see in the background, it's raining, it's car, just everything's just going wrong in this moment, unfortunately for you. Um, so yes, but we can hear you and you're here and you're present. So uh, that's all that really matters uh, to the people and to me. And so you, you're you persevering through it. You know, you're you're showing your. This is like Patrice Bergeron in the 2013 Cup final. Yeah, this is like the exactly. groin injury and. And your, your collapsed lung, you got everything going on right now. So we, we thank you for that.
1: Yeah. I'm um, just going to grit through it. Don't worry. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Grit through hockey, hockey podcasters also can play through injuries too. Um, <laughs> anyways, anyways, I know things are not too great right now for you. Um, anyways uh you uh we'll start from this point because we'll, we'll we'll dive right into Bruins stuff we're not going to spend t- time talking about Brady when we don't really have to and every other show in the in the city is talking about him so uh instead we will actually stick to what our uh title is and that's Bruins who is the starting goalie now I know this is going to be a question that we're going to keep hearing for a while uh, we're not going to talk about Rask at all actually uh instead, it's Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. And I feel like, you know, Hags wrote a column about this, uh, I believe, on either Saturday or Sunday, in which he said that Swayman should be the starter. Going in, we kind of figured uh, Olmark would get the most of the starts during the year. Or not most, but majority of the starts during the year. But I'm, I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. I mean, through, you know, they both have played about 90 minutes of uh, of preseason action, which is not much. Let me preface all this by saying it's the preseason. It's the preseason. So not a ton of time, but off of what we've seen, Olmark six goals against on 32 shots, which is an eight thirteen save percentage. Swayman, three goals against on 37 shots, 919 save percentage. I think anyone, I think everyone pretty much agrees Swayman's looked a lot better. Uh, do you see the preseason being the determining factor for why Swayman would start the start the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely, you know, helps Swayman in terms of making a case for himself as to why he should be the opening night starter. Um, again, if you look at just the preseason performances, I don't know how you can make the argument that Swinman has not been the better goalie and not just the, you know, maybe the old Mark, you know, let OT blunder doesn't help his cause Right, the <laughs> of that are pretty bad, but even beyond just that, I mean, you look at just the way that Swimman's played, uh, how good he's been, you know, moving laterally, uh, had some rebound issues in that first, you know, outing against the Capitals, but then kind of, uh, fixed that, but, Omar's kind of been a little bit shaky in that regard. He's had a few rebounds that have, you know, gone out to like, you know, the, the high slot even, like a lot of dangerous loose pucks that, uh, you need to clear. Um, so you look at just the overall body of work. And right now, I'd say Swayman has the edge just in terms of how they play. Now, will, will Swayman leapfrog him? I think one, you have to see how both Swayman and Omar end this, this preseason. If, you know, Swayman has a, a 39 save shutout in this game that will have already gone by by the time this podcast drops. But let's say he has a 39-save shutout, then Olmark follows it up on Wednesday with a another, you know, 850-save percentage game. Situation gets kind of tough, right? But I think if both of them play, you know, around the same level, I think for Cassidy going into the preseason, he was talking about how it's to be expected for a guy in Olmark to, uh, you know, start slow, new system, new teammates, new defensemen have to learn communication, which – did not work in his favor Over time, a few days ago. So, uh, And also, I think you'd have to look at just the optics of, uh, you know, a veteran guy, a guy you dropped $20 million on uh, to get beat out for the starting job by a, a rookie. Like, again, who knows? Swimming could be very special. He could be the guy who wins the calder and makes a run this year. But in terms of the optic, it's almost like, you know, an opening day starter in baseball, right? Like, do you go with the, the proven veteran whose ego – you don't want to really hurt or do you go with maybe the more talented younger player? It's like, maybe it's the safe, a safe option just to go with the, the veteran because at the end of the day, people don't really care who's the opening night starter. What, what matters is you get to the postseason, you find out over the span of 82 games, who's your best starter at that point in time. Then that remains to be seen. But if you ask me right now, who gets the opening nod, I'll probably say oh, Mark, even though right now the body work sure seems to favor Swayman.
0: Yeah. And that's the tough part with Swayman is he's he looks so good in the net. I mean, the way, as you said, he moves laterally so well. He, you know, his whole career, he stood on his head, you know, in Maine, uh, that was his whole time there was just standing on his head. I mean, you knew it. I knew it from covering the end of his career. when he would play UMass. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and I mean, I remember last year, his first game against Philadelphia, was it, was it 40 shots? Uh, it was close to it. And I mean, he, he always, he's always standing on his head. And I just, I wonder how much that factors into the decisions because Omar is – from what we've seen, I mean, obviously in Buffalo he was really good in a really bad system and everything. And again, yeah, that, that'll take time to adjust to here. Um, But I just wonder if maybe – it's hard to make this de- declaration now, but I'm just wondering if maybe they should have went for a cheaper, older free agent goalie, more on the lines of Halak to – kind of put behind Swayman in a sense. But then again, it's like, well, do you trust do you want to trust Swayman? I mean, in some ways, this is a good situation. The only downside is Omar's making five million a year.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's the Bruins by signing on Omar. I think they more or less wanted to cover all their bases. I think regardless of, you know, even if let's say Omar has a stinker in his last preseason game, I still think the Bruins are hopeful that you look at his his numbers production, how he fared in Buffalo I still think that they signed him to that contract expecting him to be a number one goalie down the road once he gets caught up and uh, up to speed. And I think it also goes in line with what they're thinking, not only in terms of having a safeguard in case Swayman hits some bumps on the road, in the road, which is to be expected for a young goalie. I mean, look at just the situation in Philadelphia last year, not to say it's going to be the same thing that happens between Swayman and what happened with Hart last year, but uh, yeah, I made sure to, to correct that one there, but um but, you know, in terms of signing down Mark, it goes lying with that of having insurance for Swainman. but you also have to look at it from the fact that I think the way the Bruins kind of tackle the goaltending situation now, it's very much not a... a it's a spot where it's not going to be a guy gets 70% of the reps. You have to have two guys who are comfortable even handing it 55 to 45% in terms of reps, and you have to maximize, you know, what talent you have in net between those two players. So even if Swayman's great, is it the worst thing in the world to also have a legit number one with him? Because I think the Bruins is a good problem to have if you've got a a guy in Omar who lives up to his potential as a number one and a potential Calder, uh, you know, a Calder Trophy, you know, finalist in Swayman. If they're both playing well, it's a good problem to have. The only problem gets difficult is, one, if Tukaraz comes back, which we won't talk about. And two, <laughs> when, I, not now. Yeah, and two, when you get to the postseason, right? That's when the issue, that's when the, the questions get tough, but in terms of how they're approaching this goaltending position, you can see the rationale of why, you know, they're hopeful of what Swayman can bring them, along with the fact that they're excited to see what a guy like Omar could do. And that's why they handed him a contract like that.
0: And Swayman can't go anywhere. I mean, did you see the behind-the-bee footage uh, that they got in Alaska? Ridiculous stuff. I mean, incredible. Uh, imagine, I mean, imagine if you're on the behind-the-bee Bruins production team and you get to go to Alaska every year to go fishing. In, in, in that area, I, you're not trading that guy from McDavid. No. Are you kidding me? No, that guy's man, staying absolutely. here forever. So, uh, I, I do think that Swayman's been the better guy, obviously, through the preseason. But again, it's preseason. It's tough to, to judge that. But who knows? I mean, I could see a situation where Swayman is the hotter goalie in October and then Omar kind of takes the reins in November, so to speak. And it's just back and forth. You know, where Omar kind of gets settled in and he goes on a ridiculous run. So, that's kind of more what I see, uh, but I agree with you. I do think the opening night starter will be Omar. But as we've said all offseason, the opening night starter is not going to be the guy that gets 70% of the reps in net or even 65. You know, I mean, I think the max is like 60%, uh, most likely. And it'll probably be a little bit more or less, uh, than that. Um, tough, tough to say, uh, that, you know, but you could say the goaltending controversy is back and better than ever, right? Yes. Yeah. Back, yeah, back and better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Back and be- back and better than ever. But one other thing that's back and better than ever is Bet Online. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything college football, or a- regular and college football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code, CLNS50 to receive that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, hockey, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage. Do not wait. Don't wait. Take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way <clears throat> to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online. Where the game starts against CLNS 50 to get that 50% welcome bonus. Uh, speaking of football, Brady last, uh, Sunday night. Geez, you were there. Lucky you, by the way, for getting yes. to be there and cover it and, and very cool. something being there.
1: Very cool. Very tired. Uh, those uh, eight yeah. o'clock uh, <laughs> games add up quite a bit, but very, very cool to be there. Uh, you know, won't spend too much time talking football, but I think the best of both worlds have Oh, well, I guess a win would be the best case scenario for the Patriots, but you know what? Made it competitive. Mac Jones had a great game. Brady didn't, like, you know, go on a full revenge. It wasn't a four-touchdown game. Like, <laughs> no. I think everyone left satisfied with what happened. Like, it wasn't a worst-case scenario for anyone involved.
0: I think that was maybe one of the best-case scenarios. Yes. One of. Obviously, Patriots winning would be best-case scenario. But I think one of the best. Because, again, you know, you don't have I – and mean, Mac Jones, he said Mac Jones looks great. Brady was incredibly nice after the game and – he met with Belichick for a while, and he met with Kraft. Everything kind of went well, and it could have not went well. Uh, but anyways, we move on. Jack Nika, <laughs> same thing. Tom Brady, Jackson Nika, same yes. player. Um, he has impressed through preseason. He's been one of the bright spots. Uh, I was looking at the advanced metrics today. Among all the metrics, we love to use. Expected goals, four. Expected goals, four percentage. Corsi, four percentage. The whole nine yards. He's really good in all of those things, and he's been good. You've noticed him every game, Um, and he's looked the part, so to speak, in the top nine um, on that second line. But we know that Charlie Coyle is going to be coming back. Is he playing Monday night? I forget. No, it's Wednesday, right?
1: uh, Coyle, not until Wednesday. He'll be in the final preseason
0: game. It's Wednesday. So he's going to have one preseason game under his belt, and he's going to have 10 days before October 16th. It's tough. Obviously, I think Coyle is going to get the first – crack at the second line as he should he's making the money for it he's been around a while um you know you have Eric on the second on on the third line you have Patrice Bergeron on the first line obviously um you're not going to put Seneca on the fourth line it seems like Seneca is probably going to start the year in Providence but kind of also when a guy goes down on one of those top nine uh, top three lines he's going to step in would you say I'm correct in that assessment
1: yeah I would say so and it's kind of unfortunate because as you said even though I think Seneca's you know, I think maybe Bruins fans hoping that he was going to go into the preseason and have like a hat trick or he was going to play with, with Hall and Smith and put up a few, you know, two point night, three point nights hasn't been there, but it's not as if, you know, as you said, he's been noticeable whenever he's out there. I mean, he's impacting the game, uh, active on the PK, uh, doing the little things. And that's what I think Bruce Cassidy has mentioned multiple times talking about his game that for a young player, sometimes the toughest adjustment is just adhering to kind of the fine details of the game and executing in, in them. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy has always mentioned, like, we've got guys we pay that can consistently score, right? You do the little things that help them along the way where it's killing a penalty, whether it's just getting the puck out of the zone and Jackson, he has done those things. So it's not as if, well, you know, he's in the doghouse from with the Bruins. Like, I think they'd love to have him up in a spot. It's just where exactly does he go? And, it's kind of unfortunate because Bruce Cassidy, more or less, as you said, kind of shut down potential from him being on the fourth line. But as much as you want to keep, you know, sick in the middle, like, I don't know. If if you're looking for a spot and considering there really hasn't been a guy on the wing, especially on the fourth line, has really stood up and like taken that job. Like, we'll see how Frederick does on Monday, but he's underwhelmed. Like, is it crazy to think that Soneka, if you like open the year with him as a fourth line guy, as this guy, you know, like a he's not a traditional fourth line checking in a guy, but if he's like a, a Riley Nash or something like that does little things that like help out your team? Uh, you know, we saw how good he was in Providence on the PK as a shorthanded threat. Like he has value there. It's just whether or not you want to open the seats with him in that role, but you know, what, what else is the other scenario? Are you going to put him down in Providence where he's probably already done everything he needs to do and you're just finding like a spot on the third line? Like, best-case scenario, you know, that third line of DeBrusque, uh, Howla, and Felino stays together and continues to play well. Like, it's not like they're hoping for an opening to be there for Soneka. Like, yeah, I think you have to find a spot for him. And fourth line might be the might be the role. But right now, it doesn't seem like the Bruins are looking at that for him right now, which is kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, and it's tough because, again, the top two lines are set. Like, those are set pretty much lines. The third line, you went out and signed Eric Howla and Nick Felino, who, by the way, both look great in preseason. Yes. Uh, that pass from Eric Holler to Nick Felino, that, that sauce was ridiculous. Spokesy, I think is still recovering from, uh, watching that take place as he should be. That was a ridiculous pass. Uh, and and you've Jake, you know, trying to revitalize Jake Debrusque on that left side. So you're not moving him. You know, he's making too much money. So again, I, it, there, there doesn't seem to be a place, but as you said, Cassidy's been kind of talking down on Trent Frederick to begin this training camp in the preseason kind of saying he needs to have more tempo. Um, and, you know, it's a debate about Lazar and Wagner. And then obviously went on side Noshek but I, I do wonder though, as you said, if Frederick can kind of fit in somewhere or not Frederick, Stadnika can kind of fit in on that fourth line. Um, Cause again, it changes the identity of the line, right? If you can roll out Noshek on the left wing, Stadnika down the middle and a Lazar or a Wagner on the right side, I don't hate that line. Like that. Yeah. That line does and, – and, again, people forget is a good two-way center. That's not a bad two-way center. So he can play those defensive draws. Uh, but, again, you don't want to stymie his career um, if you're going to project him to be a top-six center. You don't want him <laughs> playing bottom six minutes. But, again, he's been in Providence for, what, two, three years now? Like it's been a while down there. It's not like he's doing anything new. Um if he plays there this year. so
1: I, I mean, it, it's it's literally like when you play, like, be a pro in NHL. It's like, would you rather be, like, racking up points down in the <laughs> AHL? Would you, like, be, like, the fourth-line grinder who gets, like, PK minutes up at the NHL level? Like, like what, what's better for Soneka's development at this point of his career? Like, piling – it's not like a, a Lysel over in Vancouver where, like, he's going to pile on points, that's great for his development at this stage. But if Soneka's, like, got 40 points in 45 AHL games – Is that going to help him out at this point or is it going to be like being a trusted penalty killer, you know, potting a shorthanded goal, contributing that area is like, what? where are you getting the most out of him at this stage where he's 22 years old? Right. So I think you have to find a role, even if it's not a conventional fourth line role. Cause even Bruce Cassidy talked about it, right? Like his, his, you know, idea of a fourth line, isn't like a, a checking unit of just like a physical group. He said it's a puck possession line. So if Stanik is holding on to the puck, if he's good in transition, if he's helping out on the PK, it kind of fits into what they're looking for there, right?
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, this goes back to my point that I've made a bunch of times: is you can increase his trade value if you really needed to trade him, like to to, to really get something, because that's that's a chip. If you can build him back up, a few years ago that was your biggest trade chip. If you can then say, hey, this guy is really skilled in a you know, if you can put him you know in a top six role, he's gonna. Offensively succeed, but now look at what he did for us this year. He killed penalties for us. He played bottom six minutes. He played against the other team's top lines at times and did a good job. So that's another thing uh, that could potentially uh, work in the Bruins' favor and work in Stenica's favor. Because again, I think that there's a lot there. You just need to find a spot, and the fourth line, as you said, might be that spot. Uh, One center in the Bruins' position in the Bruins' system. I feel bad for is Johnny Beecher, who according to Corey Pronman uh, is now out four weeks due to an upper body injury. And he was already out for a good amount of last year in Michigan uh, with an injury. Michigan will not be affected mostly by this because they're that roster is ridiculous. Um, but it's unfortunate for Beecher who this is important development time that he'll be missing. So uh, hopefully he can kind of recover quick and get back out there as soon as possible. Um, other preseason stuff, little musings. Jake DeBrusque has been very good continues to kind of the revitalization continues to take place. Uh, we've talked at length about that though. One guy who's impressed me though, is Mike Riley. Mike Riley has been really good. And I think we said this over the off season, if you can, you know, we obviously didn't see a full season of Mike Riley last year. Um, but in the time that he was with the Bruins, it was mostly very good. Um, you know, give or take that Islander series, which I guess can be a mulligan for everybody. Um, but what do you, what do you see improving there? What do you see with a guy like Mike Riley?
1: Yeah, I think over the span of a full season, as much as I think we talked about during the off season of not hesitation, like we don't be like Bruins don't sign Mike Riley. It's just, you, you worry about just the, whether it's, you know, maybe redundancy is the right word or just, you know, the, the reliance on too much of a puck moving group on that left side, as opposed to, you know, an Alexiak or something like that. Obviously that, wasn't the case. A lot of those guys got signed even before free agency really started. But, um, you no, know, I think you look what Riley brings. I mean, whether it's in transition, whether it's just tangible, even strength offense, uh, which he, I want to say he led all defensemen last year. And I think it was even, maybe it was five on five assists. So like his value there is great in terms of, you know, how he impacted getting a Bruins team that traditionally in five and five has not been, you know, either in the middle of the pack or they've been kind of, At the, the lower tier of NHL teams. So having a guy like Riley helps out in that area. And it works out well with a guy like Brennan Kahlo where, um, you know, Kahlo has mentioned multiple times he likes playing with a puck moving guy. And I think in that last game against the Rangers, you saw a little bit of how those guys, you know, playing to their strengths can help out one another because you saw multiple times where Kahlo would get a guy as he crosses into the off the crosses over the blue line, shuts down the scoring chance, separates player from the puck. Puck gets over to Mike Riley, passed down the other end of the ice. And you got like, you know, he had that, that two-on-one that he started with uh, Marcian and Postenrock, which came off of Carlo separating the puck from a guy down the other end of the ice. So it's not the most conventional deep pair, but uh, based on the, you know, what we saw in previous seasons with Carlo and Tori crew, like there's a way that group can kind of work. if They both play to their strengths and Riley seems to be a guy that, that is meshing well with Carlo in that regard. So, even beyond just the the tangible offense, I think Riley with Carlo, uh, can kind of get the best out of his game. And again, it's not like Carlo has to be, uh, like he's going to be like, a uh, you know, uh, a, a Scott Niedemeyer or something like that. He's going to be skating all over the place. Right. <laughs> but if he plays through his strengths, but also gets a little bit more comfortable handling the puck and having guy like Riley that can pass between them, I think it helps out all parties involved.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, Carlo had a nice goal, Um uh... Two games ago, I think. So yeah. it was. uh So and, and by the way, you've been back at the Garden for these games. I have not been. I, as people know, have a different job with NCAA.com. Go read there. I actually, they let me. They let me rank the top ten every week, which is great, but funny to me. Um, so I get to have my own. UMass, rankings. UMass isn't
1: dropping, even though that weekend. Not dropping. Oh, you,
0: you, UMass is still number one. UMass is still okay. the number one team in the nation. People forget. Just a fluke. Yeah, just just actually, it's weird. The games this weekend against Minnesota State got canceled. It didn't happen. Oh, really? really was... Wild stuff. It's kind of like the 2015 national championship game. It just didn't happen. Yeah, that was that was
1: bizarre. I mean, I, it was I,
0: weird I... weird stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: it's weird. But no, for the people who want to know, UMass for me went down to five. I thought I was knocking them down a ton nationally. UMass went down to seventh, which I agree with. But I was like, you know. Two losses, obviously, Minnesota State. Not great, but I'm not going to move them down past the top five. And nationally, they went down to number seven. So whatever. And I, so, and I have a different number one than the national. So hey, maybe I got, maybe I'm on to something, but, um, you've been back at the garden. What has the crowd been like? Has it been, I know you said it's been pretty loud, uh, back there. It seems like people are happy to be back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think people are just excited to be back in the building, excited to, Scream when Crazy Train comes on. Just just (laughs) excited to see in-person hockey, and again, we're still in the, you know, there's still you know, mask mandates and people still have to be cautious. But I think as we get to, let's hope, is the tail end uh, of of all this, that I think people are just happy to be back to resuming a a normal lifestyle. You got people still waiting at line of the hop and all these other terrible bars over across the street. You got people, you know, nature is slowly healing, I think, is what it is. So I think people are just, even in a preseason game where half the lineup's missing, I think people are just happy to be back in the building and cheering on the, the Bruins once again in person.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was driving into Boston last week, and uh there was a, a stop on the pike going in, like, as you're heading towards Brighton. And just nobody was moving for forever. Like, no one was moving. And then we start to slowly move. And then we just keep, we just go. And there was no reason for the stoppage of traffic. But in my head, obviously I was pissed off. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Nature's healing a little bit. This yeah. isn't too terrible. Um, and it'll be fun seeing the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, tonight, Tuesday for when you guys I listen will, to this. I
1: will be there. Will it's you actually? Week. Yes. I, it's a very busy week for, for yours truly. So I will be there in person covering. You're covering, not, covering. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I will not be I thought you were just going. No.
0: Hell I was well. like, those are expensive tickets. Um, yeah, I will not be covering that game. I don't think I'll be at it. Uh, but everyone should go uh, follow your work over there. You wrote a great column after uh the Brady game on Sunday night, and I will imagine you will write something fantastic on Tuesday night. But what can the people look forward to? Bruins related? Do you cover the Bruins anymore? What the hell? Uh, I do. not
1: people can relax. I will still be covering the Bruins throughout the season, and so he doesn't oh, care. Shit. He doesn't care about the
0: Bruins. He oh. doesn't care.
1: Bruins fourteen. Oh, <laughs> Over at BSJ, do not worry. We will still have a look at, you know, our final look at the, the roster breakdown uh, with kind of that 10-day gap. We'll have time. We'll hopefully work on a couple of features we have on the pipeline that we're hoping to drop for the season stats. So uh, all the daily content you expect uh, as the training camp and preseason winds down will all be over at BSJ. So subscribe to Boston If want to follow me on Twitter, you're that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do
0: all that, and Connor. Hopefully, you can get the power back in your apartment and get I out of your so. new office. Get out of your yes. new office, which is your car. Uh, but thank you for joining in these terrible, tough circumstances. We send our. I'll start a GoFundMe for you if that's our if, if that's all right. Thank you. To no, I'm
1: you gonna
0: get a donut now, so I'll be all set. There, there you go. We'll to go you for the donut. But uh, for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinowski. You, Bruinsbee listeners, have a great rest. Have your week. <music>